Los Angeles tonight, the O.J. Simpson case continues to dominate the news and the gossip circuit. Today there was a major development. Simpson dropped one well-known lawyer and hired another. Still no formal charges in the murder of Simpson's ex-wife and a man. Howard Weitzman is now off the case. He says he left because of his personal relationship with the former NFL star and a lack of time to deal with the case. Weitzman had said O.J. Simpson was on his way to the airport when Nicole Simpson and Ronald Goldman were stabbed to death. Today, O.J. Simpson's new attorney, Robert Shapiro, gave a different account. At the time that this murder took place, O.J. was at home awaiting to get into a limousine to take him to the airport. O.J. will do everything he can to cooperate with them to help solve this horrible murder. The change in attorneys comes as several published reports indicate a growing trail of evidence against Simpson, including a pair of bloody gloves, blood stains on the driveway at O.J. Simpson's home and in his Bronco, and scratches police saw on O.J. Simpson when he was questioned. O.J. Simpson and his former wife had a stormy relationship during their marriage. Published reports indicate that since January, police have responded to several domestic disturbance complaints at her townhouse. Despite repeated requests from NBC News, police have refused to release reports documenting those complaints. Investigators have also sealed tapes of original 911 calls summoning police to the murder scene. They say the tapes contain evidence. Today, Ronald Goldman's family held an emotional news conference outside their home in suburban Agoura, California. He was a special human being. <laughs> that didn't deserve what's happened. The family took some comfort in unofficial reports of Ron Goldman's final moments. If what few little things we've heard about the tragedy in any way are true about Ron putting up quite a fight, maybe to help, the Goldman family refused to comment on O.J. Simpson's possible involvement in the crime. Since Monday morning when the murders were first reported, O.J. Simpson's home has become the scene of a growing media frenzy. Cameras and reporters have been camped out in front of the gates around the clock. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah! Their defense is atrocious. atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love the plan here. Oh, man. I'm sorry. It's just hit me right now. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? <laughs> All right, this is Swish FM, Chris Mendelk and Ben Crabbe. Ben, uh, our beloved New York Knicks are now in a 2-1 hole. Uh, yes. This is bad, man. <laughs> How are They're you? They're in a tight spot. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm doing great, Chris. 100% fantastic, wonderful. Um, I think that last uh, episode... <laughs> Uh, I don't know how how, uh, how, our, how our listeners responded to it, but for me, it just lifted my spirits. Man, um, <laughs> we kind of uh, ended on. I, a sour whenever note I'm in there. like a 
Yeah, whenever I'm in a dark place, it's great to know that we have uh, Game 3 of the 94 Finals to turn to. For sure. Uh, to, to just, you know, to to lift us up a little bit, you know? to um, that That's what basketball does, obviously. That's why... Uh, you know that's why the NBA is doing such a such an incredible uh, national service here in 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 their you know resumption of play in the bubble. Um, it doesn't matter how many uh, you know people suffer from from the pandemic uh, no. or uh, or how many resources and tests they're consuming that sh- that could go to the community. Um, listen, basketball is is here to uh, to make us happy again, like little <laughs> boys in school. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what I feel like we we really accomplished with uh, with our last episode. So you're welcome, everyone. And uh, yeah, well, um, yeah, man, we we are back. The Knicks are in a two one hole now. <laughs> it's the 1994 NBA Finals. Uh, we're gonna try to draw even here today, Ben. But uh, who knows? Um, quick reminder for you, Ben. A little housekeeping here at the top. Uh, whether you guys are OG uh, swish heads, whether you're first-time listeners, whatever the case may be, do us a favor and subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Uh, ben, it's uh, you know it's super simple. It goes a long way for us. Just search Swish FM in Apple Pods. Uh, mm-hmm. Scroll down, tap a little five-star review, write a little review for us, and Ben and I will read whatever you write on the air. So yeah, if or if you don't feel like searching the full name, you can just go to uh, the top ten iTunes podcast charts. We're right there at number right. one. Um, so Maybe, yeah, if it's yeah. too difficult for you, yeah, to, uh, to 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 type in the letters, just uh, just click click on uh, just search. You know, most popular podcast uh, top ten, top one hundred. We're at the top of all those lists. Uh, so yeah, thank you again for uh, to to our listeners for, yeah. for putting us there. And if you're if you're seeking inspiration on 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 a review to write, you know maybe maybe it's a piece of uh, JJ Reddick fan fiction. Maybe you leave us a piece of JJ slam poetry, Ben. We've we've talked about Ooh. JJ slam poetry. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it's an ode. Maybe it's an ode to David Solomon or Woj or uh, <laughs> Bill Simmons or my number one boy Brian uh, Brian Winhorst. Uh, uh, windy. Maybe it's a maybe it's a love letter to the city of Boston, Ben. Maybe uh, maybe you're a fan of our rewatchable series and you love the town. Whatever it may be, write a review. Let us know that you found the show that you listen and you enjoy, and we will uh, read it on the air. Yeah, that's a guarantee from us to you, um, Ben. The date is June fifteenth, nineteen ninety four. Uh, it's game four of the game NBA, four NBA baby nba finals um yep. we started talking in our last episode about a uh, a murder double double homicide that uh has kind of swept the nation it's uh nicole brown simpson and ronald goldman have been murdered nicole brown simpson is the estranged ex-wife of oj simpson the former you know professional f- football player and broadcaster and ad pitchman. Um, so it's June 15th. We are three days removed from that murder, Ben. Um, mm-hmm. and yep, nothing to, uh, to set the stage for a, a nice, uh, NBA basketball rewatchable, yep. uh, like discussing the, uh, intricate details of a grizzly double murder. Yeah. So, you know, I, I started perusing like different, um, newspaper articles from June 15th just to kind of like, kind of figure out what was like the national mood with regard to this incident. And right. a piece from the New York Times reads, 
uh, as police peruse clues, O.J. Simpson seeks uh, seclusion. So at this mm. point, it's a few days have passed and people are starting to put the clues together. There is, uh, you know, famously some blood on the white Ford Bronco of O.J. Uh, OJ's car um, that matches the, the crime scene. There is some, uh, some, some um, blood in the driveway of his Rockingham estate that is believed to be Nicole's. Um, and police are trying to corroborate, you know, all of his, uh, his alibis about being in Chicago, flying out to Chicago for a, uh, a Hertz, um, uh, conference or ad at some sort of ad, uh, conference or sales meeting or something that was happening in Chicago mm-hmm. for Hertz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, uh, the times notes that, uh, OJ's is more secluded than ever. The Los Angeles times reports in its Wednesday issue that there are splotches of blood, uh, blood stains, um, and that sources with the police have said that the blood was also found in Mr. Simpson's car. Mr. Simpson's lawyer is a guy named Howard L. Weitzman. Uh, he speaks with the police. The police take OJ in. They talk to him. Uh, they initially handcuff him, and then they question him for two hours on Monday. Mr. Weitzman said, "I talked to law, law enforcement earlier today, and they said they were, st- uh, and they." They said they are still where they were yesterday, that they are still looking for uh, a suspect. So mm. um, there is also believed to be a bloody glove that was that is rumored to be ha- uh, that the police found at the O.J. Simpson home. Ah, um, uh, the glove. Yeah, the police have said that uh, they have told him that... Um, oh, I stand corrected. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Mr. Weitzman said he spoke to the police, and the police told him that they had not found a bloody glove at Mr. Simpson's home. So there's like hmm. a little bit of... Um, conflicting reports. Yeah, there are yeah. Cl- con- exactly. Con- uh, conflicting reports about a bloody glove. Um, now, Chris, yes. can you remind me, um, uh, so it was it was Monday, June, uh, so the day following Game 3, so Game 4 is on, is the, yeah, Game 4 is on Wednesday, so uh, the, the, the previous Monday is when they brought him in to, to be questioned in the, uh, in the precinct, but do you remember from the, I'm trying to remember the details, like, it was like, kind of like a, like a screw up, right, like, when they questioned him, like, didn't the two officers kind of like, bungle the, the questioning. the questioning like they sort of like did it in like a not very like formal way or I, I remember something from the doc about how I don't know if you remember I'm just kind of putting on the spot here so partner Detective Lane we were in her interview room in Parker Center and we're here with O.J. Simpson is that Orenthal James Simpson he said he's going to talk to us which is really strange how did you get the injury on your hand you have one opportunity forever to talk to this guy. Forever. How did you do it in Chicago? I broke a glass. I just was one of you guys that just called me, and I was in the bathroom, and I just kind of went bonkers. He's thinking he can control a couple of cops, especially these guys, because, you know, they're pretty nice. OJ, was that sort of a problem? We've got uh, some blood on and in your car. We've got some blood at your house. And uh, sort of a problem. What Van Adder and Lang failed to do was simply to pin him down on what he did on the day of the murder. I know I'm the, the number one target. And now you're telling me I got blood all over the place. OJ just rambled. 
and created an interview transcript that was useless to the prosecution. I was, I don't know what I was, I was in a, I was in the car, I get much more about the car, I was in the house, I was throwing hangers and stuff in, in my suitcase, I was doing my little crazy, what I do. What do you mean you're running around doing what you do? What do you mean? What do you mean you, you, you cut yourself in Chicago, but the blood got on the Bronco before you left? What do you mean? There's a million things that they just let go. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Oh my God. What I wanted was his blood, photographs taken of a bleeding finger. I wanted his fingerprints. Now that we've got his cooperation. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna get a photographer to come down and photograph your hand there. Okay. And then uh, here pretty soon uh, we're gonna take you downstairs and get some blood from you. Okay. We get the blood. We get all these things we want, which are gonna be evidence. And then you know he's released. What? Why? Why would you? Why would you do that? If he was any other guy, would you have let him go? And they said, well, where can he go after all? What can he do? I mean, everybody recognizes him. Mr. Simpson, at this time, he's 46 years old, member of the uh, National Football League Hall of Fame. He played with the Buffalo Bills and the San Francisco 49ers, retiring in 1979. He, at this point, is now a sportscaster for NBC. He appears in movies. He has a lucrative endorsement deal with uh, MCI Communications and Hertz. Um, and, uh, you know, he, uh, today, uh, on, on, on the, the 15th, June 15th, it's, uh, it's reported that he has stayed at home all day with a group of close friends. Um, and one of the, one of the friends is, uh, speaks to the media on the condition of anonymity, saying all of OJ's friends are circling the wagons. They say he is not admitting anything. He's devastated. Nobody knows what to think. OJ just keeps on saying, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Mm. Um, again, of course, in 1989, uh, OJ pleaded uh, no contest to beating and threatening, uh, threatening to kill his wife, Nicole Brown Simpson. Uh, he was fined at the time uh, $700, I believe, was the was the. Uh, some of the, uh, the the fine the couple have, they have two children um, and they divorced three years after the marriage in 1992. Um, but friends note that they have been trying to reconcile. They've been, they've been trying to get back together. Mm. So um, yeah, there are different accounts of like how OJ and his wife were trying to get back together. Apparently, OJ brought Nicole to a uh, to Dallas for the Thanksgiving Day game between the Cowboys and I forget who else was uh, playing on Thanksgiving. Um, so there, there are accounts of, of OJ trying to put the marriage back together. Um, at one point, I believe in January, I dug up a video of him even talking, I think at a Hertz conference and even referring to uh, his Nicole. First, he says, uh, he talks about how crazy he is. He's like, you know, Listen to me, I'm I'm, I'm pretty crazy. Uh, you know, I'm 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 currently dating my ex-wife, and gets a big laugh. The product is Juice Plus, a food supplement sold through independent distributors across the country. The pitch man, the Juice himself, 
Heisman Trophy winner, NBC sportscaster, and football Hall of Famer O.J. Simpson joins the NSA team as official spokesperson for NSA's most exciting product yet, Juice Plus. O.J. Simpson appeared at a meeting of Juice Plus distributors in Memphis, Tennessee in January of this year as the celebrity endorser of the product. Besides the name, Juice for Juice Plus, you've got the fact that he's a very healthy-looking guy, very good-looking guy. And, and obviously, uh, with the name Juice Plus, it's a natural, right? <laughs> name aside, O.J. pitched the product his usual way, with a sense of humor. But he also offered a surprising and revealing look at his roller coaster relationship with Nicole. As you get a little older, and uh, I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> you know, you got to worry about your weight a little bit. But in, in any event, not only was I using it, uh, I'll show you how smart I am, I'm dating my ex-wife. <laughs> this was recorded in January of this year, a year after Nicole filed for divorce from the former football great. And it's obvious that O.J. couldn't get his ex off his mind. It's pretty clear from seeing how he mentions Nicole that he's very much still, he's very happy that he's seeing her again. He's very proud that he's with her. He makes a, he mentions her two or three times and uh, he, he seems to be happy about the situation. My biggest problem in talking with my ex-wife is what our kids in this day and age, we're always giving them junk food and, and how do you sit them down and get them to eat a healthy meal? And, this sort of supersedes all of that. And then another point, lower, you know, further on in the meeting, he says, he says, uh, he stops calling her his ex-wife. The kids don't want to know that they're getting anything healthy, you know. Uh, but somehow my, 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 let's just say my wife uh, has found a way to get, we've just started our kids on it. But last Monday, the company that owns Juice Plus, the National Safety Association, dropped OJ from their team, canceling his three-year contract. A spokesman, Clay Jackson, told The Current Affair, quote, Obviously, it was a real shock to everyone here. He just started as our new spokesperson, and then this happened. Pat Sloan, senior editor of Advertising Age, was not surprised by the company's decision to drop OJ. If you're asking what I think his endorsement, future endorsement potential is, I think he's dead. You know, the Times quotes this woman, uh, Susan Forward is her name. She's an author and psychologist. And she said uh, she treated, actually, Nicole Brown Simpson in 1992. And she told uh, KCBS-TV that she thought Nicole was actually a classic battered wife who, mm. uh, you know, who she, she said was, uh, she, she described being uh, threatened that OJ had stalked her and beaten her and threatened her life. And mm. uh, Dr. Forward said the, the beatings were very severe. Um, and uh, she said, you know, he would say things to her like, if I can't have you, then no one can. I'm going to kill you. So, you know, the, the nature of, of Nicole Brown's relationship with OJ was really tumultuous. Um, and like we talked about last episode and we'll talk about in future episodes, like ultimately this incident is going to be about a lot of things um but one of the biggest ones i think is like domestic violence is is like an issue that we're gonna have to talk a lot about we're gonna have to talk a lot about like the racial politics of this and like the this the kind of significance of oj on trial um basically like black america on trial it felt like black america was on trial 
and mm-hmm. uh, how the verdict in some ways felt like a referendum on police brutality uh, toward, mm-hmm. toward African-Americans. Yep. And specifically the history of, of police in the community in, in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. Um, real quick, Chris, I, uh, you know, we love providing our, our, our listeners with a little bit of trivia, a little historical trivia. Um, so just out of curiosity, I was looking up the release date of, um, Naked Gun 33 and a third, yeah. uh, since that was the, you know, the sort of final film that OJ starred in, um, before uh you know before standing trial a good movie man it's it's so comp like it's so complicated i mean because i truly love the movie (laughs) it's the weakest of the naked gun movies but it's still it's the french it's the franchise that i love it's still leslie nielsen in his prime um so that movie was released on march 18th 1994 um obviously just a couple months before the uh the, the time period that we're discussing here but in researching that, I found out about another movie from 1994 called Frogmen. I was just going to talk Now, you've to probably you never... No, I was just going to talk to you about you... this. Really? <laughs> so you're aware of Frogmen. Let's talk about Frogmen. Um, so that's so weird that I was literally just randomly... Like, we haven't talked about this at all. I was like, I've oh, never he, heard wants, of this. he wants to talk about movies. Perfect. This will be a great segue for me to bring up Frogmen. Wow. Wow. Um, crazy. Yeah. We have not previously uh, discussed this or planned this, but uh, I was just literally just Googling, yeah, yeah. Googling around. Take it away. I did not know anything about this. Not Frogmen yeah. uh, was a made for TV movie. It's a remake, I think, of like a 1951. Um, uh, I believe it's a remake of like a 1951 kind of like army sort of like action military thriller about a team of I think it's this. I think it's a remake of of uh, of this same movie from 1951. It's like some like you know Navy SEALs type type guys who, I don't know, fight underwater and stuff like that. Whatever nickname the Frogmen. Um, so just, I mean, I'm just I'm just gonna read verbatim from the IMDb trivia because this shit is incredible. Um, so uh, 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 here we go. Sorry, one second. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Okay, so it reads here, uh, produced and filmed in early 1994, this made-for-TV movie was never publicly released because it was intended as a pilot for an NBC series to air in the fall of 1994. Uh, And now it's important to note, Frogman was not like a a star-studded movie where like O.J. Simpson played like a small... Uh, like side character oj simpson was the star of this movie he played the character john bullfrog burke um so this was a through and through oj simpson vehicle um produced in early 1994 not great timing on nbc Um, which tv movie that was going to be turned into a series yeah and and you know while we're having this conversation like let's tie some loose ends up here like we're talking about nbc sports the network that we are in bed with watching the NBA finals. Like this is all the same universe, like Mm -hmm. the same corporate family NBC sports that's in bed with the NBA and us is also in bed with uh, OJ Simpson who works for NBC sports as an NFL uh, broadcaster. And now NBC universal is looking to make, you know they're they're looking to expand their relationship with OJ to make him a action star. Yeah, of course uh, we know that OJ was uh, best friends with NBC sideline reporter Ahmad Rashad. I believe he was uh, Ahmad's uh, best man at his wedding. 
uh, or maybe it was vice versa. Um, I forget. But um, but yeah, I mean, everyone who you know worked in in the sports television world obviously like knew of and was likely good friends or at least good acquaintances with OJ. Um, and a, obviously that is, is there a modern, uh, like who's the modern OJ? Like who's the modern comparison? Would it be like Michael Strahan? Like someone who's I mean, like, who's like, both yeah, like someone a, who's just trying to be loved by everyone. Yeah. yeah but like I mean, specifically like filling the niche of like, he broke in a network. As a, he broke in as an athlete, then transitioned over to like sitting at a right, desk, right. being like a news anchory guy, and then kind of transitioned into like actory stuff. Almost like Tiki Barber has done sort of. Yeah, I was things. thinking of Tiki Barber. I mean, A Rod comes to mind. Um, I mean, The Rock is kind of a different. Yeah, The level Rock of, did just went straight to Hollywood yeah. superstardom, skipped over TV kind of. But yeah, in terms of just like. Right, like face of a network uh, yeah. type. Um, I mean, you like know, just like literally ex- accepted by from, by everyone in America. Straight from the playing field to being in the studio in front of the camera, and then from the you know the sports studio to the movie set. But yeah, so this is so still reading from IMDb's trivia page here about Frogmen. Um, uh, 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 yeah, so obviously the the pilot, the, the series was canceled following O.J. Simpson's arrest. Any plans for producing the series were canceled. The completed film, the dailies, production reports, scripts, and all other paperwork were confiscated by the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office and examined during the course of the murder investigation. It was argued at one point that O.J. Simpson's training for his character as a Navy SEAL in Frogmen might have facilitated his ability to commit the murders. After Simpson's acquittal in 1995, the film remained, then and to this day, confiscated in the property of the Los Angeles Police Department. That is fucking insane. Uh, One more thing. Uh Not done. During a break in filming, Todd Allen, who was an actor, a co-star in Frogmen of OJ's, Todd Allen accompanied OJ Simpson to a cutlery store where Simpson purchased a knife. The Los Angeles Police Department believed that that knife was the murder weapon, which was never discovered. Todd Allen is an actor and producer who worked with O.J. on Frogmen, an action show about former Navy SEALs on special assignments. At one point, everybody was convinced that the murder weapon was one of the prop knives, and there was a scene where O.J. ends up with a knife to somebody's throat, and it turns out it's his estranged daughter. They filmed the pilot in Puerto Rico just weeks before the double murders in Brentwood. Allen says during training, he and O.J. learned how to kill four people at once using a serrated dive knife. You come up from behind somebody and you've got the blade in your hand this way, like this, and you come up from behind and get them turn their head to the side and go. And that is exactly how the coroner says Nicole and Ron were killed. A slash to the throat. And then the fatal wounds. Multiple stab wounds to the body. The prosecution painted Simpson as an abuser who beat Nicole. Allen claims OJ was obsessed with his ex-wife and Ron Goldman. It would come up all the time. And there was a few times where he would tell me things like, I saw Ron Goldman driving my freaking Ferrari. And I could tell it irritated him. Um, so Frogmen, folks. Frogmen, um, a, wow. I, a, uh, I, might have one, quite the, I might have one better. 
Oh yeah, so, you got yeah. one more. Oh, it's pretty good. It might not be better, but it's as it's as good as that. So OJ played, like you mentioned, OJ played the lead role of Bullfrog, of Bullfrog Burke. Uh, as you mentioned, Ben, uh, Bullfrog Burke led a group of former Navy SEALs. Uh, mm-hmm. OJ received a fair amount of military training in the course of this movie, including the use of a knife for frogmen. Shh. And at one Jesus. point, Ben, in one scene, he holds a knife to the throat of a woman. Uh, what? He holds a knife to the throat <laughs> of a woman in one scene. Um <laughs> A, uh, oh there is a 25-minute tape of the pilot, and uh, it did not include the knife scene. The knife scene, I guess, didn't make the final cut, but uh, it was shit. found by investigators, and they watched it uh, on Simpsons television as they searched his house. What the fuck? Yes, the Jesus defense, Christ. Yeah, the defense tried to block its use. Uh, on grounds of like impropriety, I guess, because investigators found it right. w- like without uh, a warrant w- or something. Without a warrant, or... I guess, would be the yeah. issue. But Judge Ito yeah. actually allowed the tape to be shown. Oh, um, God. Prosecution, though, was never introduced it. Uh, prosecution never introduced it as evidence during the trial. Wow. And, um, you know, it's been reported that the skills of Bullfrog Burke. Uh, it, it was reported that the, the, the skill set of that character, Bullfrog Burke, was night killing. And that he learned, OJ learned a, a, a technique called the silent kill, which, in, which included oh slashing God. of the throat. And that Navy SEALs wear nightcaps like the one that was found at the crime scene. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, so, again, this I mean, is shit that it's, it's, there's so much detail know, and and this and is, and like, stuff in what I was saying again, we, before. It's like we've I, been I, talking about this eight-hour, whatever, seven-hour-long documentary, and this was never even mentioned. It didn't even make the cut of a seven-hour-long documentary. I mean, part of the problem is like, what do you do with this information? Right, un- right. Un- Who unfor- the fuck knows? Unfortunately, like. There was a trial, like, you know what I mean? Like, there was a trial, yeah. and there was a jury, and they decided that he was not guilty of the crime that he was charged with. So right. all of this information, ultimately, is just stuff that we can, like, roll our eyes at and, like, speculate and be like, this is insane. It seems like this would be really <laughs> valuable information relevant and obviously relevant, yeah, it's not yeah. like conclusive evidence but it's certainly fucking it's pre- eyebrow raising yeah, it's pretty <laughs> weird it's pretty weird that like jesus yeah a few months before the murder he was getting trained by navy seals on a technique to silently slash someone's throat in the middle of the night with a knife <laughs> that it was reported may have potentially been the murder <laughs> weapon that and he may bought may have bought on dude on set yes and Without getting, again, without getting too in the weeds here, like, I found videos of uh, the, I think it was the prop master of Frogman being like, I heard about this. I f- Chris, so- I just want to ask real quick, how how much time are you spending on O.J. Simpson Reddit? I just want to make sure that you're, <laughs> that you're doing okay, that you are in a healthy place mentally. Um, you know, Ben... Um, this was supposed to be your therapy session, but I think it's turning into mine. 
Um, oh god. Yeah, no, I'm I'm uh you know, I'm doing okay, Ben. I'm uh Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I mean, as your friend, I just feel obligated to, thank you to for just checking you know, check 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 in. Check, check in. Thank you for checking in. No, but I saw a yeah. video I think of, of a guy that was like the props master on on the set of Frogman. <sighs> Wally Crowder was the stunt coordinator on Frogman. You could kill someone very easily with this knife. It goes in your pocket like this. And then when you pull it out, it's supposed to come out. He wondered if OJ did do it, could he have used one of the knives from Frogmen? I remember hearing on the radio, I was driving down the road one day and they said the knife was five and a half to seven inches with a serrated blade. And I thought to myself, wow, that could have been the dive knife. So I came home, pulled out a tape measure and measured it. And I actually went and Xeroxed it on the Xerox machine and sent it to the DA's office and they said, well, that's circumstantial evidence. We couldn't use it anyway. Submitting a Xerox of a knife to a judge in a murder trial, I don't know how, if that totally passes the muster. But the sniff test. That yeah. is, uh, wow, that is really frogman. It's something I never knew. Um, yeah. So you learn something every day. Um, wow. Yeah. Well... On that note, <laughs> here's 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 a segue for you. Or <laughs> June fifteenth, nineteen ninety four. We are at Madison Square Garden once again, my friend. Um. Give me some uh, initial thoughts and impressions here at the the start of the game. We're in a 2-1 hole. How you feeling? Yeah, 2-1 hole. It's a Wednesday night game at the Garden. Uh, beautiful nighttime skyline shot outside yeah. the Garden of Manhattan. Marv says, welcome back to Madison Square Garden in New York. Um, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling positive um i love this opening music to the nbc broadcast welcome back to madison square garden in new york as we get ready for game four of this best of seven nba final series a look at the houston starting lineup you saw the backcourt up front it's akeem olajuwon with otis thorpe and robert ory and the coach rudy tomjanovich he has stressed defense and hustle, and he has been so significant in revitalizing this franchise. It felt very much, it sounded a lot like like an early 90s, like Super Nintendo, like welcome screen, right. welcome screen theme song uh, type type, uh, type audio music, a uh, little treat there. Um, and then, I mean, this is totally uh, sort of irrelevant, but uh, in the uh, audio of our of our little video file here that again we um uh copped from pick and roll uk's uh now defunct youtube account um there's like a really weird like echo like a like a yes. echo filter on marv's voice like for a few seconds in like the first minute Our up front pat riley hoping for a faster start the knicks were down 11-2 here on sunday night and I, uh, immediately was like, oh, Ben's going to have, like, PTSD like me. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. just, like, a little freaked out about whether this is going to be, like, a like a video, like, a thing that runs throughout the entire video. Or the, right, just, right. Like, yeah. for, as, for as much as I knew, it could have been a uh, 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 an issue for the entire uh, 
uh, file, but it was not. It was just a, a one-time little little uh, little present, little gift. Um, but uh, yeah, man, we uh, we get the game kicked off here. The garden is is uh, is is really just you know really in full effect here. Everyone's pumped. Um, early on, Ewan grabs an offensive rebound, jams it in with one hand. Um, Oakley uh, uh, is uh, hitting the boards early. Um, Marv notes that we talked a little bit about this last game, but they they kind of go into greater detail here. Uh, really early on in the first couple of minutes, Marv notes that Charles Oakley has a sprained left ankle and a bruised right foot. The mm. bruised right foot came in the uh, in the first game of the Eastern Conference Finals against Indiana, and then the, and then the uh, left ankle was sprained in Game Four of that series. And Marv says that that ankle is still swollen. Jeez. So Oakley out there, literally on two. <laughs> Uh, not fully functioning feet. These guys just um, like played through everything. I mean, yeah. Granted, it's the NBA Finals, and I I have to believe like you know if the NBA Finals were happening today. I mean, we just saw Kevin Durant like literally play on a p- partially torn Achilles tendon and like rip it in the NBA Finals. So I you know I guess like this isn't about like oh back in the old days like guys were just tougher. Um, Right. But, you know, it just it speaks, I guess, to the stakes of the game, right? That, like, these guys just mm-hmm, played mm-hmm. through pain, you know? Yeah. Because this is, the, and not only this like, is, like, the biggest stage, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not only just that, like, he, like, got out there and kind of, like, you know, carried him, like, dragged himself around the court. Like, Oakley was, like, going balls to the wall in this, like, right from the beginning. Yeah. I actually have in my notes, like, holy shit, this guy, is, like, just wants it. Like, he is... Um, you know, uh, uh, just like flying around, like trying, trying to hit the boards. Um, in some ways, yeah, Nick's in some ways I like when I think about Charles Oakley and him having like two bad, like bum feet, it's almost kind of like, you know, he, he naturally played with like a wrecking ball, but like mm-hmm. with his feet being like in so much pain, it's almost kind of like, um, what am I trying to say here? Like he, he almost just like, it, he was just like throwing caution to the wind. Like it almost just like yeah. liberated him even more. Right. Like it almost like worked more, to his benefit. Yeah. It's almost like he's even more haphazard than he normally is mm-hmm. because it's like, he's just in so much pain. So he's just going to like, just like run through everything like a psycho anyways. Right. Um, so, it, and like with like, with like bad feet, it's like, well, landing on my feet would probably really hurt. So I'm just going to jump and like, like land on my ass. Yeah. Just like, or like just dive into the stands. Land on my like body, actually like my torso, li- yeah. literally like diving into the crowd will, will hurt, hurt my than body like less my than just landing on my feet regularly, like yeah. a normal person. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. It's almost like it played into his strengths <laughs> to have two injured feet, Yeah, for which sure. is hilarious. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But uh, yeah, he he actually bounces in a long jumper um, early on to put the Knicks up seven nothing, yep. leading to a twenty second timeout by Houston. Um, yeah, it just feels like everything's going right early on, momentum wise. Yeah, for the things Knicks. are clicking for the Knicks. Yeah, yeah, game three definitely, like we talked about, had like a jittery feel at the start, and this one feels like the Knicks know that they belong here, and so does mm-hmm. the home crowd. Really, like they yeah, know yeah. that like this is our game. Uh, we're just as good of a team as Houston. We were right there. We probably should have won game three without uh, yeah, absolutely. Some, like, bullshit. Like, so we can win this game. So we just need to stop acting like there's any doubt about that. Oh, yeah. Marv notes that the Rangers won the Scan- Stanley Cup uh, just the previous night. Yeah. Um, so the Garden is uh, is in, has full-on, you know, championship fever here. They're, they're looking for the... Uh, 
for the you know the double the double trophy in New York. Um, of course, in the very same building uh, the Rangers play in. Um, so yeah, championship vibes are, are very much in the air here. Uh, yeah, Oakley swishes another turnaround, like a turnaround, which is uh, not uh, typical of him. Knicks are up 9-2 early. Charles Smith rattles in a jumper, 11-2. Um, Starks pulls up on the break for another jumper. The Knicks are just hitting everything. Yeah. It's 13-2, 6 minutes and 13 seconds. Another timeout from Houston. Uh, Knicks defense is just absolutely swarming. Uh, yeah, I mean, Houston has two points it's just in the every, first six every, minutes. Everything's going right for the Knicks, and everything's going wrong for the Rockets. Um, yeah. And it's just like, it's like, okay, well, this this definitely won't last. Uh, Sam Cassell hits a three, uh, makes it 17-6. This is after the timeout. Vernon Maxwell hits a layup. Now it's 17-8. There's about three minutes left. We have an interview coming out of the uh, the timeout. Pat Riley's Knicks off to a 17-8 lead with 2.46 remaining in this first quarter. Pat, very concerned coming into tonight following the Nick performance over the first three games, and we talked about it with him. We have, in the three games, been so up and down with our effort that, uh, you know, it's just not going to get it done. I mean, there's no time to be lackadaisical in any way, shape, or form right now. Uh, all of the numbers show that we're not doing the job uh, in certain areas. And, um, and unless we really step up and, and dramatically turn those numbers around with a great effort, then, uh, then we may not get it done. So uh, if our guys want to play for a championship next Sunday night, which they have the opportunity to do, then we got to step up and we got to play and not hope that it's going to happen. The team hits one, and then it's a five-point game, 19-14 Knicks. Houston. Yeah, after jumping out yeah. seventeen to two, the Knicks were uh, started the game seventeen to two, and uh, the Rockets closed the quarter on a twelve to two run. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus, at man. the end of the first, it is fourteen to nineteen. Yep. Knicks. Yep. 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 Uh, quarter two here, we begin with a celebrity robe, and we have. Uh, uh, my favorite part your, of the game. You know part. it. This you is, know it. I mean, this is why you come. Uh, you know, uh, your, your your favorite part. We have a Jerry. Seinfeld I love the appearance. stars. Yep. I love the celebs. You love I the love seeing. Glam, man. Like, oh yeah, it just it 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 just dazzles me. Yes, a star-studded crowd here at Madison Square Garden. Jerry Seinfeld is. Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld also just on the edge of the frame. I don't know if you caught this, Chris, but you could just barely see a little bit of uh, of Jerry Seinfeld's uh, high school girlfriend, Shoshana Lonstein. Oh, my God. Yeah, Wait. so by high school girlfriend, now I don't mean uh, Jerry Seinfeld's high school sweetheart that he met when he was in high school. Uh, I mean the girl that he uh, began dating um, as a 38-year-old uh, while she was, was in high school. Um, Shoshana Lonstein, uh, a, a, um, a student at, hang on, what was the name of the high school? Uh, she uh, was literally uh, in high school. Yes, she was a senior in high school Jesus. at, uh, Nightingale Bamford School in Manhattan when, uh, when Jerry, uh, just walked past her in Central Park one day, approached her, got her phone number, uh, and they began dating, um, yeah, at the time uh, of this game uh, on Ju- June fifteenth, nineteen ninety four, um, she had recently turned nineteen, uh, and Jerry Seinfeld was forty. Um, so she she was in college uh, by 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 now, but they had been dating for a, a, about a year um, at the time of this game. 
But uh, yeah, they actually dated for like three years. So um, you know, uh, did they really? Yeah, yeah. Man, Kelly um, Kelly was talking to me about this a couple weeks ago. She was uh, she was like, "Do you remember when Jerry Seinfeld had a college, uh, like had like a teenage girlfriend?" I was like, "Wait, <laughs> what? Oh my god, that's yeah. like it's funny how you sort of like bury these memories." Yeah, it, like, yeah, and it like wasn't. I don't remember it being like a big like no one. I mean, like I guess it was, it was like definitely in on the, the co- tabloids and yeah, stuff. It was on the cover of the Post. I remember. Cover of People magazine had a famous cover. Really? Uh, Look who's in love! Wow, I didn't. I didn't catch that she was at the game with him. Of course. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he brought her to like all all the games. Yeah. So she, they were serious. Was, uh, it wasn't like something that he was like ashamed of. Apparently not. Uh, apparently he uh, he did not uh, not not exactly try to keep it a secret. Um, I mean, you know, if it works for uh, for Woody Allen, why not why not oh work my for, God. for Jerry? Who's in love. Jerry Seinfeld, thirty nine, and Shoshana Lonstein, eighteen, make an unlikely yeah. romance work. Jesus Christ, bro! <laughs> <sighs> very cool, very alpha. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I believe that. Uh, let's see, I forget. Shoshana went on to like they dated for three years. Yeah, three or four. Um, what happened with her? Yeah. Uh, let me look up. She became a fashion designer, uh, founder and creative director of the fashion label Shoshana, which she launched in 1998. That checks out. Yeah. Um, just a year after graduating uh, UCLA with a bachelor's degree in history and art history. So good for her. Um, yeah, I think she now does like, I don't know. She, uh, I think she was on America's Next Top Model once. Um, Upper East Side, three kids. Yeah. 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 She married, she later married a guy named Joshua Gruss. Yeah. A private investment firm. Lovely. Uh, philanthropist, financier. Jerry Seinfeld is on hand, along with Cindy Crawford. Madonna wearing, incidentally, Matt, John Stark's uh, number three jersey. Let's not read anything into that. Madonna has been hit on a number of occasions. Mark Messier, who certainly has enjoyed the past 24 hours, just the scene of one of the glorious moments in the history of New York sports. Last night, the New York Rangers defeating the Vancouver Canucks 3-2 to win the Stanley Cup, led by Mark Messier, ending the drought. The Rangers' first cup since 1940 in an emotional game last night here at the Garden, and then Messier, the captain of the Rangers, able to parade around the Garden ice, hoisting the Stanley Cup. Second quarter, underway. Rockets. Yeah, moving along, celebrity yeah. row here. Yeah, you said we have uh, we have Cindy Crawford, uh, just looking absolutely dazzling. Madonna, Madonna wearing a John Starks jersey. Wow, man. I mean, in '94, Madonna was the shit. Like, she, yeah, like, this is this is pretty major. I, yeah, I guess you know. I mean, I I know you don't watch Knicks games a ton anymore, and. Even my tolerance for Knicks games is just in like bits and pieces, like like current Knicks games. So I was mm-hmm. like, do they do we still do like celebrity row at on MSG? And th- and they do, but the yeah. thing is, it's just like the nature of the celebrities are so much smaller at this point because the team is so bad. Um, it's almost kind of like, are we still calling this like celebrity row? 
but it, yeah, it, it, it's interesting seeing like Madonna and Cindy Crawford and Jerry Seinfeld because it was like, wow, we used to really attract like, major, oh yeah, the cream of the crop. Yeah, yeah, like like if you were in New York, if you were a resident of New York, you wanted to be there. But like especially if you were in from out of town, like you really wanted to be seen at a Nick game. Oh yeah, of course, big deal. Yeah. Yeah, Marv cracks uh, when they when they show Madonna wearing the John Starks jersey. Marv cracks. Let's not read anything into that, um, which I feel is like a I don't know, little little disrespectful, little yeah. slut shaming there on on Marv's part. Thank yeah. you, Marv. Yeah, thank you, Marv. Um, yeah, yeah, just uh, just insinuating that that Madonna must be sleeping with John Starks if if she's wearing his jersey. Interesting for um, Marv of, or of anyone to like have yeah. like, the moral authority to uh, talk about anyone's yeah, exactly. like, personal life. Yeah, let's not uh, take a peek, peek into your bedroom, sh- <laughs> yeah. shall we, Marv? Uh, did yeah. you mention Mark Messier? Yeah, and they they rounded that with Mark Messier, the captain. Rangers um, won the Stanley Cup last night, Ben. That's right. That's right, man. That guy fucking ruled. Mark Messier, like what a what a just like perfect like I don't know like if you like as a as a New York sports fan like that guy actually was like fucking just fantastic and just a cool guy incredible player leader like had all the like cliche sports things but also seems like a legit like awesome individual like very philanthropic um that's good strong family man like i was like doing a little research i was like oh god like mark messier hasn't done anything like bad (laughs) in his life has he and uh, whatever i'm sure he has a little bit but right it seems like he's got a a pretty pretty clean record i'm I'm okay that's good to hear that's good to hear yeah Uh, right (laughs) admittedly i don't know anything about mark messier beyond like the athlete stuff and i would assume bad stuff but it's it's encouraging to hear that uh there are some good things but you know it's funny like mark messier to me like so embodied like the way sports figures really were like kings, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, like like it, they were action in, heroes in yeah. New York specifically. Like you, if if you win in New York, you literally ascend to like legend status. Yeah, um, yep. and Mark Messier really embodied that, and in the way, frankly, that like even Ewing emerged as like a legend, uh, even though he didn't win a championship, like he won enough and was successful enough that like he ascended to royalty. Um, yeah. Cause he brought magic to Madison square garden. And I would um, say so. yeah, man, it was just Messier really like reminded me of, of that was like, wow, this guy. Yeah. He became like a King here. Yeah. Yeah. Absolute superhero. Yeah. Anyway, right, getting along. back into the game yep. here. Yeah. We have uh, Anthony Mason bodying Olajuwon in the post. Um, gets gets whistled for a foul after just pushing Hakeem out of the paint like a rag doll. Um, just insane strength uh, from that guy. Um, yeah, of course, now the Knicks have missed five in a row. Uh, make it six in a row before Greg Anthony finally sneaks in for a little putback layup. Um, Knicks still leading now 14-21 to 21 with a couple of minutes down in the uh, in the second quarter, uh, Ewing with a big swat of Carl Herrera, but uh, Sam Cassell is there to collect and hit a little pull-up floater bailout uh, shot right at the end of the shot clock buzzer. Um, was very upset to see that. Oh yeah, the Sam Cassell interview. You want to talk about this? 
Back at Madison Square Garden, Sam Cassell has done the job again coming off the bench. He's hit three of four from the field, seven points, three rebounds, and two assists for Cassell. We talked with him yesterday after practice and uh, talked about the subject of apprehension, perhaps about the pressure of a rookie playing in the NBA Finals. Here's his response. Well, uh, I don't feel any pressure because uh, my job is not that hard. Um, I take the ball across half court with Doug Harper, Harper hanging all over me, um, just fighting him off. That's the hardest part, just fighting him off. Um, once I make the, uh, the initial pass, um, you know, we have a guy on our team by the name of Kim Olajuwon. And um, if things break down, if I, can get, if I can get him the ball some kind of way, I know something's going to happen, good or bad. That he doesn't feel this at all. I don't know. In a weird way, I kind of that kind of like endeared Cassell to me a little bit. Like obviously, we've talked about how yeah. much I hate him because of the way he broke my heart uh, as an 11 year old. But I sort of love the fact that he's just is like my job's not that hard. I get. I just bring know, the ball across half court and then I give it to Hakeem Olajuwon. Like you know what I it's not that big a deal. About that and I think that's kind of what you're speaking to. What I appreciate is like I think he's telling the truth. Like it's not yeah. it's not an affront. Like he's not acting. He's not pretending. He's like, he seems really sincere and it all makes sense. It's like, oh, like the guy on the court, you know how he seems just sort of like goofy and funny and he'll laugh at when he thinks something's funny and like he's just doesn't seem to be taking it too seriously, like win or lose, like he's going to be fine. He Mm kind of is that way, like generally speaking. And yeah. like that's how he comes across in the interview, which is just like I play with a Hall of Famer. Like my job is like I just have to make yeah. sure Derek Harper doesn't steal the ball from me, and then I get it across half court and I throw it to Hakeem. It's like not that big of a yeah. deal. Like he gives he gives like very very much due props to uh, to Harper. Yeah, uh, he says basically that the hardest part of his job is just dribbling the ball up the court with Harper hounding him, which I imagine is completely true. Yeah, and then he just passes it to a Hall of Famer and like lets him do his thing. I'm like, all right, you know what? Man, uh, as much as I, I hated him, like I, I kind of have to like have a little little respect for Sam Cassell yeah. um, after that. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, getting back into it now. Knicks up six with eight minutes to go. The Nick defense is just absolutely stifling, leading to 24-second violations on the Rockets. How about this graphic? I've been hearing and seeing all these things that he's my nightmare, and that's a joke. Anthony Mason, who goes six foot seven against Hakeem Olajuwon, who's about seven feet. And the Knicks have been very effective uh, with that matchup, although Hakeem has made it clear that he is tired of hearing that Anthony Mason is the Dream's worst nightmare. It's, you get the idea, it has gotten to him. But Mason has done a good job in wearing Akeem down, and there's some thought that perhaps that's the reason he's been fatigued come fourth quarter. Well, I think reading between the lines what Akeem is really saying, if my teammates get me the ball in good position, it doesn't matter who is guarding me. And, and I would think he's correct. <laughs> I don't know if, you, if anyone remembers last episode, uh, that quote of uh, of Mason being Hakeem's nightmare was from Marv fucking Albert. Uh, yes, our our home announcer uh, and of course NBC's play by play man, uh, ostensibly a Knicks fan, someone who would be rooting for the Knicks as a lifelong New Yorker and the play by play announcer of the Knicks. But uh, but yeah, Marv was the one that that, uh, that can be attributed to that quote uh, and uh, Hakeem. 
using that as fuel uh, to uh, to defeat the Knicks. So thank you, Marv, once again for that. Um, yeah, not uh, not great, but uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, Derek Harper, who he's hitting three after three, just frosty, ice cold. Um, he's uh, he hits uh, again now with five minutes left in the second. Um, he's three of five with seven points. Nick's up nineteen to thirty. Um, we have an amazing fast break where Ewing knocks it away from Olajuwon. Charles Smith grabs yeah. it um, with an awesome dime to Starks uh, on the run, who catches and finishes a very difficult a little lay-in. Nick's up thirteen now. Let's see, Maxwell hits a couple shots. Patrick jumper. He nails one. It's forty to thirty-one. Hakeem follows up. Now it's forty to thirty-three. Oakley is fouled with 0.8 seconds left in the half. Beneath the hoop, it, on, it's a loose ball foul, so it's non-shooting. And uh, we go to the half. The end of the second quarter. The score is forty to thirty-three. The Knicks are up by seven. Um, yep. And, uh, yeah, just moving us along, we'll hop into the third now. Um, you know, it seems like at the top of the third quarter, both teams are just really struggling offensively. There is a, a Thorpe dunk at the, the shot clock buzzer, and it's waved off. Um, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just not pretty at the get-go here uh, in, no. in quarter three. But, again, the Nick D just completely locking everything down. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that uh, Thorpe dunk that gets waved off was the result of uh vernon maxwell being forced into like a like launching like a 30 foot three-pointer but it just hits the backboard doesn't draw uh draw iron so it's a 24 second violation um let's see moving along here uh um really kind of kept in check um he's not doing too much thorpe sneaks in for a little bucket and one but it misses the free throw it's 42 46 yep seven minutes left in the third uh yeah it's 42 46 i'm like oh we're still in the first half right no no we're almost halfway through the third quarter here (laughs) folks uh neither team has crossed the 50 point mark but uh yeah nick's offense just completely uh ineffectual allowing houston to kind of claw back yep um, we have a Vernon Maxwell steal and a layup in the open court. Well, the shuttle pass from Starks, picked off by Maxwell. Vernon Maxwell able to finish it off, and the Nick lead is now 49 to 46. Fuck, now the score is 49 to 46. Timeout, Knicks. We're starting to feel a little worried here. Uh, Houston's hanging around, they're clawing back. Hakeem uh, now has 12 points. He sinks a jumper coming out of the half. 49 to 48. Out of timeout, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otis flips one to Hakeem, who spins, and uh, he ties it now. He's Mm. 7 for 12 for 14 points. It is... 50 to 50. Yeah, five minutes left in the third now. Tie game, 50 to 50. Um, And yeah, Patrick Ewing is just having a terrible shooting game. He's, He's missing shots left and right. He's now shooting 5 of 18. Um, and this is following, I believe, in Game Three, he finished like nine of twenty-nine, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so just another dismal, dismal shooting night from him. Obviously, all of his energy getting sucked up on the defensive end. This, uh, this Robert Ori kind of, kind of injury here. Ooh. Yeah, this was. I remember this as a kid. Yeah. Like this, like 
like stuck in my memory. He flies in um, for a an acrobatic dunk, um, misses, and is fouled by Mason, yeah. and uh, basically just falls directly on his tailbone because his legs kind of get. He doesn't get like undercut or anything. He just kind of um, his momentum just carries his feet out from under him. Um, it's like we were talking about he, in the last episode. He was so athletic. He really was a high yeah. flyer. But yeah. I mean, he was a big guy. He was probably what six eight or something. So six nine, six, yeah, nine. six ten maybe. Yeah. So when he got yeah. hit, he really he was up high yeah. and landed directly on his tailbone. Yeah. Um. Yeah, screaming in pain. It looked right then and there like he would have to leave the game. Yeah, I would have. Um, I, I assume I was like, that must be a broken tailbone, right? Yeah, yeah. But he actually was able to get up. Um. And uh. And hit. There was a flagrant called on Mason. Uh. Ori actually made uh, a free throw. Uh. To give the Rockets their first lead of the game, fifty-one fifty. Got about four minutes left now. Um. Ori would hobble around for a few more minutes and then eventually uh, just take a foul to, to kind of check himself out of the game because he was, you know, barely mobile. But uh, got a hand to the guy for, for gutting it out for a few minutes there. Yeah, the uh, Knicks have just gone ice cold. Houston's on like a 12-1 run. Make it 14-1 to after Olajuwon um, puts in a, an easy little jump hook, then steals it on the other end. The Knicks are shooting 4 of 16 Ugh. in the third quarter. Jesus. Don't know if that's good or not, <laughs> but it, uh, uh, it does is not seem to be bad, resulting. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, okay, yeah, got it. Sad, yeah, it's not. Sad to report that that's, is bad. That is not that's why they're not scoring points, because they're not making, uh, making field goals. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That checks out. Um, but oh, we have to talk about this incredible play. Rockets by four. Just under two minutes remaining in the third quarter. Maxwell. Rebounded by Oakley, who pitches down to Starks. Maxwell is back. Starks with a duck under move. So John Starks with a couple of buckets to bring the Knicks within two. Incredible, just a gorgeous. Oakley tips the ball, grabs a defensive rebound, never uses his his offhand, just just grabs the ball with one hand and just flings it like a like a baseball, not even a football. It's like a baseball toss um, down to uh, perfectly in stride John Starks, uh, who stops on a dime to evade. I think it's Maxwell trying to chase him down. Just kind of stops and, and ducks under uh, for the little layup. Um, yeah, that pulls the Knicks back to within two, 56-54, a minute 30 left in the quarter. And, uh, yeah, and then, oh, Derek Harper again. Harper for three. Yes. The Knicks, in the midst of a spurt, have taken a one-point lead, seven unanswered, with just under one minute left in the third. Just bailing us out. Time and time again. So this one um, I thought was almost as significant was like another Charles Oakley rebound, man. He kicks it to Starks mm-hmm. who finds defending, Harper. Yeah, def- yeah, Oakley defending Otis Thorpe in the post. Otis Thorpe, you know, one of the strongest like low post uh, players in the league. Uh, Oak is just bodying him, uh, boxes like, like you know, forces him, forces him into a tough shot, like uh, like a short shot. Uh, boxes him out for the rebound again on zero uh, working feet, and um, and and you know he and Thorpe hit the floor as Oakley, you know, outlet passes, um, uh, leading to a, an open three for Harper, you know, on the break, yep. um, which he swishes, uh, putting the Knicks back up, fifty-seven, fifty-six, a minute left in the third. Yeah, 
And then we have a, another Derek Harper. Harper for three. That's his fourth. Three pointer. Next lead, 60, 58. His fourth three of the game. Uh, it is mm. now 60 to 58. New York is up with 30 seconds left. And then, geez, man, Sam Cassell just milks the clock, runs it down. Knicks have hit four straight shots after missing four in a row. Eric Hoffman, four of eight from downtown tonight. Rockets running the clock down. Ten seconds to go in the third. Matt Bullard for three. Yes! Matt Bullard off the bench. The hit from downtown on the Rockets lead by one. Matt Bullard for three, yeah. 61-60. Uh, Houston is up by a point at the end of the third, and we are headed to the fourth. Knicks trailing by a point. we got to have this game. And Yeah, uh, yeah man, it's going to be a wild finish for sure. Yeah. I mean, they, they've kind of looked in control all game and then uh, and then just kind of like let, let Houston back in it in that third quarter. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if it weren't for Derek Harper, uh, like the Knicks would be down by 10 points, it feels like. Yep. Uh, I literally wrote in my notes at one point, Derek Harper is our finals MVP if the Knicks win this series. Like, yeah, I mean, man. obviously, like, Gosh. Ewing was, was doing a lot of the, on the defensive end, but... Um, but he was not he was hurting them on yeah. on offense that's one um, of those things that again it's like you only kind of appreciate it or i guess i only kind of appreciate it in rewatching it maybe because i oh, yeah. this series i didn't happened. remember harper playing like this yeah i was 10 years old yeah. when this series happened so it was like god i i really forgot how literally important like vital he was to our team like yeah. we wouldn't have not even been in the series without Derek harper no, no, he was doing doing everything. Yeah. Um, and again, his defense on on uh, on you know Houston's point guards just as important as his offense. Yeah, there's a nice little graphic here at the start of the fourth. Olajuwon, we've talked about this last game, but in the uh, they have a graphic from games one to three. In the first three quarters of the game, Olajuwon is shooting fifty percent. In the fourth quarter, he is shooting two of 18 percent. So we will see if he can turn it around here in the fourth of game four. Yeah, quarter starts off with a nice little uh, inside uh, Anthony Mason um, uh, off a nice feed from Charles Smith. He gets it and one foul on Cassell, uh, but of course misses the free throw. Marv says, Anthony Mason throwing a brick, <laughs> um, which was an accurate description of, of uh, Mason's free throw there. Hakeem answers with a little baseline. Uh, Rockets up 63-61. Carl Herrera hits a couple free throws. Yep. Derek Harper. Oh, been going against Anthony. He's a little mad now. See if he can't get something going. Derek Harper with yet another three-pointer. He's five for nine from downtown. And for the series, he has hit 14 of 26 from three-point range. Jesus, Derek he, Harper. He's another three. <laughs> Off the dribble this time. Mm. He's just he's just like pulling like heat checks now. Yeah. He's not even uh you know, a lot of his threes are 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 you know catch and shoot. Um but this time he just pulls up off the dribble dribble. He is now five of nine from downtown on the game. Fourteen of twenty six from three on the series. Fourteen of twenty six. Uh that's well over fifty percent according see. to my math. Sixty five all. Uh game is tied. And then uh I mean Hakeem again is just incredible. Mm. The guy 
with a catch and spin move beneath the basket, 67-65. Houston's up with nine minutes. Patrick answers on the other end with a jumper. We're tied at 67. We have a finally we yeah. have an Ori alley oop to Hakeem. Didn't really see Hakeem like floating above the rim too much. I know. You know what I mean, it was kind of yeah. like, oh wow, I think that yeah. I'm not really used to seeing like Hakeem like catch a dunk. Yeah. But he did seem to get up there very easily and gracefully. He yeah. was just like, it was like a, a beautiful little, yeah, I mean, like, it was wide open alley Just like a gazelle, just kind of like, just like jumping. Yeah, like, yeah. looked extremely effortless. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. As with everything for him. 69-67 Houston, 7.50 left. And then we have Oakley cleaning up a, uh, 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 Oakley cleaning up a Ewing miss, 71-70. The Knicks are up by a point with six and a half minutes left. Yeah, um, moving along here. Yeah, Hannah Storm reports that uh, Robert Ori has checked himself out and is done for the night with a sore tailbone. Mm. He was going to be x-rayed. That is a pretty major fucking loss, gotta yeah. gotta say. Um, he was a really, really important player for them. Did he remind you of anyone while we're, while we're doing this game? I forget if we talked about Robert Ori in the last, well, the last time. Did, did, did we give him a comp? Uh, Will Smith, but uh, <laughs> yeah. that's not a basketball player, except you know in yeah. that episode of, of Fresh Prince. But uh, but yeah, I always thought he kind of looked like Will Smith. Um, but I mean, in terms of yeah, I don't like uh, he like I I think I'm just speaking to the athleticism here. He kind of mm-hmm. had Andre Iguodala vibes in ter- like mm. young young Iggy, young Iggy, yeah, like young Iggy, high flying Iggy, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of like mm-hmm. this like rangy jack of all trades that was like six eight six nine really locked down defender great dunker had a sneaky shot but was never going to be like the lead dog scorer Mm -hmm. on a team was never going to be the offensive focal point you know he was just going to be a guy that always made the team better when he was on the floor always made the right pass could hit an open shot could fly above the rim could you know lock down his his uh defender yeah yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, back in that day, too, especially, there really weren't that many guys of his size that shot threes. I'm trying to think, like, like, uh, like Detlef Schrempf was, like, a big man, yeah. like, a, like a power forward, uh, you know, stretch power forward. I mean, Ori wasn't quite a power forward. He was more of a small forward. But he had the, the height. He was at least 6'9", I think, maybe 6'10". I remember him being listed, at least in, like, one video game I played as a kid. Um, uh, but... Yeah, I mean, not that many guys had his combination of, like, outside shooting, but then could also just, like, surprise you with, like, a, a drive and a, and a nasty dunk. Um, but, yeah, that's a really... Hmm, Robert Ory. Yeah, mullet. A unique player. Yeah, mullet. We'll come back to that um, at some point. Indeed. Let's see. Yeah, Hakeem uh, in the paint now, getting double and triple team, but he spins away. Six points, and he has certainly done it here in the fourth quarter. Eight of his 26 in the fourth, and the game is tied at 72. Hits it in. Tie game again, 72-72 now, yep. with about under six minutes to go. Oakley, Oakley goes two of two from the line. He's fouled. Now it's 77-72. Uh, yeah, Nick's up five. Hakeem responds on the other end. It's a three-point game. And then we have Starks for three. Back of the rim. Starks for three. They've changed 
Schmidt to a two, his foot on the line. The Knicks are arguing as a timeout is called. Now Joe Crawford just changed back to a three. It is now 80-74. to 74. The Knicks are up by six points with three and a half minutes left. Oh, yeah. Again, this three completely um, uh, 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 respond, uh, whatever, what am I trying to say? Charles Oakley uh, is, the, is the one who's completely responsible for this because uh, it's, it's Patrick Ewing who misses a couple free throws, which, by the way, are his first three thro- free throws since, like, game two. Um, not, not great, Patrick. Um, when the, uh, when the outside shot isn't falling, you know, you might want to think about, uh, yeah. trying to get to the line. Um, but, uh, but yeah, after Ewing misses both free throws, Oakley just dives in, hustles into the corner and saves the ball falling out of bounds, like, you know, throws like the long, uh, ball back, back to half court, which Starks is able to grab. Uh, and that leads to the, the three. So that completely would not have happened if it weren't for Oakley's hustle. Um, and, uh, and also I love that three because, uh, initially it's like, oh, strikes for three. And then Marv says, no, it's a foot on the line too. And I was like, of course it is. And then they had, and then they actually corrected it yeah. and they said, no, it is a three. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's the story of basically every three pointer. Sure. It's, it's always a question. Um, <laughs> was it, or was it, it not a three? Is it a three or a two? Sometimes yeah. even, even the announcers don't know. Sure. Um, How about this graphic here? Yeah. Yeah, this quote from Olajuwon. Yeah. So Hakeem says, if we get up 3-1, they will choke. This is apparently a uh, quote that he gave while on David Letterman. Yeah. I mean, they kind of like walk it back a little bit. Marv notes that he didn't really mean it that strongly. And, you know, Gukas is like, man, the language barrier, yada, yada. Uh, And who knows, you know, maybe Hakeem was just trying to talk a little trash. Yeah. I did hate how David Letterman, I mean, obviously this is true of all talk shows, but when they would like bring the, the, the star athletes of like opposing teams that would like, yeah, I, I was just like, you shouldn't like, don't do that. Like no one wants to, to see these guys. Here are the other like, guy, I remember like, when like fucking us. like, yeah. yeah, like Randy Johnson went on Letterman, like after the Diamondbacks beat the Yankees in the 2001 world series. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Get you might as here. well just like have Osama bin Laden on your show. Yeah. Like, come on, like. I don't want to see this guy. Um, Yeah, get out of here, man. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, they note, Marv notes that Oakley now has 19 rebounds, nine of them offensive rebounds. um, Monster. I mean, he had a a monster game, and all I can think about are those two feet of his. You know what I mean? Those two bad feet, man. Yeah. If If only he played with broken feet every game. Yeah. He's just like a train that's derailed. It's like off the tracks, and it, the, the train is just like rumbling through like you know the woods and just yeah. like smacking into trees and like just like out of control he is he is the crazy train yeah um shout out ozzy osborne um yeah ewing sweeping across the paint with a little driving hook yep puts the knicks up seven seventy five eighty two we got under three minutes to go now Carl Herrera gets in for a little and one down low off a nice nice dish by Otis Thorpe. Uh, but Starks, Starks, big, big answer here. Yeah, it's a four-point game. John Starks has the ball in the perimeter, being guarded by Maxwell. 
um, and just kind of Maxwell just gives him like an inch of space and Starks just pops a three right in his face. The Rockets cut it to five. It's 85 to 80. And then we have a huge, huge offensive rebound by Anthony Mason. Ewing with the off-balance shot. Rebounded by Mason. Pops it out. And the Knicks reset. Gave the Knicks a new 24-second clock. Yeah, Mason just ripping that board down and then just kicking it back out, resetting the clock. Huge. Yeah, that was major. Yeah, Patrick fouls out. The Knicks have a three-point lead now, and Patrick is on the bench with a minute left. Man, it didn't... Yeah, that... And that sixth foul call, I mean... Obviously, the the you know spoiler alert. The result will be will be different this game. But that this sixth foul call on Ewing was just as egregious as that offensive foul in, at the end of Game Three with the Knicks down one on their basically final possession of the game. It, 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 so one so Ewing has five fouls. Olajuwon gets it in the post and kind of spins on Ewing, and Ewing goes out of his way to keep his hands up. You know, like maybe sort of grazes him with his with his body as as Olajuwon is initiating the contact, then spins away, and they whistle Ewing for that for his sixth and final foul of the game. Again, like this the the context of the game. You know, there's a minute, yeah, under a minute and a half left. Um, it's a three point game. Like that is that was so critical. Um, uh, and I was just like, wow, that I can't, I can't believe that in that situation you make that call uh, again for a, for a star player's sixth foul. It needs to be like very obvious, you know, like you yeah. can't not make the call. And that was just not the case there. Uh, made me very, very livid. Um, but, uh, yeah, three point game now, a minute left. Um, Ewing's on the bench. John Starks, uh, drives, he's fouled. He hits both foul shots. 87, mm, 87, 82. The Knicks are up by five with 50, 52 seconds left. And that is more or less how the game wraps up, right? The uh, the Knicks pull ahead 89 to 82. And yeah, we- there's a great defensive play uh, on the other end, right, for the Starks free throws, where Mason now uh, fronting Elijah Wan in the post. The entry pass kind of comes over Mason's head, but Oakley uh, charges in from the weak side and knocks it out of bounds um, to break up what probably would have been an easy basket by Olajuwon. Right. Um, that was a huge play. Uh, Rockets didn't convert following that. Um, and then, yeah, Starks uh, back to the line, puts him up seven, 30 seconds left. Um, I enjoyed this little shot of uh, Patrick Ewing throwing his sweaty towel to Dikembe yeah, Mutombo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that put a smile on your face. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, and final score, we have 91 to 82. The Knicks win, tie the series up at two games to two. Oh, my God. We're 2 2, I baby. Mean, Garden in the standing ovation. Decidedly less painful experience than game three for obvious reasons. Obviously, it's better to get out of the game with a W than an L. Um, yeah. But also, like, there was there was a little anxiety here with a minute left, but it felt like the game was more under control, and I, you just had more confidence that they were they were gonna pull it out here in the final minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was that kind of gut check moment with a with a minute left after Ewing got a sixth foul, right. but uh, but thank thankfully John Starks decided to just take matters into his own hands. Sure. Uh, that hard that hard drive into the paint, drawing a foul, was uh, was pretty much the the decider. So thank you, John. Um, uh, I'm sure uh, you know being being motivated from the sidelines by Madonna wearing his jersey. Um, 
And uh, yeah, Knicks scored 31 points in the fourth quarter, um, which is a mind-boggling number of points for them in a quarter. So yeah, they were able to pull it out. Um, And yeah, it just makes you think about the the end of game three, man. If they had if they had been able to to uh, get a little bit luckier there, they could have been up three one with one game left. Because reminder, in the old format, game five will remain in Madison Square Garden. Um, so right. man, really makes you makes you think. Uh, <laughs> yep. Oh man. So here's another uh, another pop quiz for you, Chris. Yeah. Uh, do you know who the next leading scorer was? Um, in game four, we we uh, we noted that the leading scorer in game three was Derek Harper. Uh, do you know the leading scorer for the Knicks in game four? Was it Derek Harper? It was Derek Harper again. <laughs> Derek Harper, of course, the Knicks' number one offensive weapon yeah. um, in the 1994 NBA Finals. Yeah, he finished the game with 21 points, seven of 15 from the field, including five of 10 from downtown. Um, that is incredible uh, efficiency on high volume. Yeah. Uh, Ewing finished with 16, but shot 8 of 28, which wow. is uh, <laughs> 28.6%. 28.6%. That's not yeah. not great. Um, he did have 15 rebounds, a block and a steal. Oakley finishes the game 16 points, 20 rebounds, mm. 9 offensive uh, rebounds there for for oak on the bad wheels um and uh yeah uh starks finished with 20 he shot well as as well six of 11 from the field six of eight from uh from the free throw line including four clutch ones to close out the game in the fourth there um yeah lajuan definitely uh played a lot better in the fourth uh here in game four he finished with 32 points um but uh, but yeah, only eight rebounds, pretty much kept off the boards. No offensive rebounds for Olajuwon. Did have five blocks, uh, and uh, yeah, played you know a pretty pretty solid game. But uh, not much else doing for the Rockets. Maxwell finished with twelve, Cassell with ten. Sam Cassell, by the way, played thirty minutes in Game Four. Really, he was out there uh, more than uh, more than Kenny Smith, the starting point guard. Wow. Um, nice yep. little uh, uh, interview here at the end of the game with Derek Harper and Ahmad. Derek, mm-hmm. you know, again, once again, believing in God, the existence of God <laughs> now that he is here in New York City with the Knicks. So, mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. to see it. You love to see it. You love to hear it. Um, ben, the series is tied 2 2. Uh, wow. Looking forward to game five here. Can't imagine anything unusual will unfold in that game. Probably just going to nope. be. Game your, five should be a, another middle, totally normal, yeah. regular NBA Finals game. Run of the middle basketball uh, game. Can't be anything unusual that happens in that one. Um, nope. Look forward to that, man. And uh, hey, let's see if we can get game five and take the 3 2 series lead. Um, curious to see how, uh, how this one wraps up. Yeah. That would certainly be a, uh, a it's a it's a deciding well not not deciding but a uh, a crucial you know sort of sort of swing game game five in a two two series always a big one folks yep. so uh, stay tuned yep all right man good talking to you and uh, we'll see you next week all right my friend a pleasure as always you can listen to Switch. 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 